We've got the one Bible reading today. That comes from Luke 10. And it's the parable of the Good Samaritan, which most of us probably know well, and at the home of Martha and Mary. So Luke 10, starting from verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. <clears throat> they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the, by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. <clears throat> Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her door to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. May the Lord bless that reading. Let's pray. Our great God. And our great Father, Lord, we humbly come before you now, desiring to hear you speak. We pray, Lord, that indeed you would come. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to sit at the feet of Jesus and to listen to him. We thank you that you speak loud and clear. You have given us your word, everything we need for life and godliness. And so, Lord, please bless us to this end today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, Chapel Street. 
and morning to the folks online. It's good to have plenty there, plenty here too. I see there's a number of people still away on holiday and perhaps potentially about to walk in with the time change, but we'll be gracious to them. It shouldn't come as a shock listening to all of the components of the service today to realize that we are going to look at Martha and Mary and not the Good Samaritan. Um, it's a very precious little story, but it has very, very profound implications for us that might not be uh, obvious initially. And I want us to start by just picturing the scene. The Lord has entered Bethany, <clears throat> which is very close to Jerusalem, and he's been asked to go to dinner by Martha to Martha and Mary's house. And Martha and Mary are siblings, and they have a brother whose name is Lazarus. Hopefully you're aware of who he is. They all appear again in John 11. It's a massive piece of John's gospel. And here it's a very small piece of Luke's gospel. And they're very dear to Jesus. They're very close friends, this family. And so he goes. And I imagine he doesn't go alone. If anything, you know that Jesus generally doesn't eat alone. He takes a tribe with him. <laughs> at least 12, right? You would think at least 12, the disciples. But there are others too. We aren't told exactly how many there are at this dinner, but he's not on his own. I can guarantee you that. At some points, there are thousands of people following him. And Martha sets about her business to serve. It's a good business. Serving the food, preparing the food, getting ready for feeding of a lot of people. Now, I know nothing really about preparing food, I'm ashamed to say. But I know that it's a big deal when a lot of people turn up. I've seen it in other members of my family. And it's not surprising then, is it, that Martha is somewhat distracted with much serving. That's what the, the scripture says for us here. She was distracted with much serving. And we learn from what the Lord says to her that she's also anxious. She's troubled. Clearly, getting the serving right for this group of people, not least the Son of God, is a big deal. It's not a small task. It's important to her. And to be honest with you, she's not a little bit angry if you read the text carefully. In fact, she's quite rude, if I may say, to the Lord Jesus. She says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to come and help me. She's angry, she's frustrated, she's anxious, she's distracted. And Mary isn't helping with the serving. She's in a different place entirely. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. What a picture. One lady running around frantically trying to get everything ready, wondering why her sister isn't helping and her sister not serving at all in that way, but sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him. Perhaps that's not hard to see as a picture of sitting below your teacher, of sitting as a disciple 
of your teacher and listening to him. It's a picture of devotion, isn't it? We've heard that come through today's service a lot. It's a picture of adoration. She's not distracted. She's absolutely engaged. And so Jesus gives a very curt response to a very powerful rebuke. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. She gets a gentle rebuke, and I find that surprising. She's just, Martha's just trying to do her best, isn't she? Trying to make it right, trying to make it good, trying to make sure that everyone gets enough to eat. And he, she wants her sister to come and help her. So she goes to Jesus and Jesus says, no, she's chosen the good portion. One thing is necessary. It's not actually the arrangement of food, although it might seem that way in that context. It's choosing the good portion. I went and looked at the Greek word because in different Bibles, it has a slightly different translation. And one interpretation of that word is simply the good participation. Mary's chosen to participate in this event of gathering together around Jesus by choosing him. It seems wrong. It seems like she should have chosen to serve. <clears throat> Excuse me. But one thing is necessary, and she has chosen the better participation. And at the end, Sarah says, it will not be taken away from her. What is he saying? What is the Lord Jesus saying? Is he saying we don't need food? <laughs> we don't need to serve? No. We don't need people to prepare things for dinner? No. What I think he's saying to Martha is, Martha, take off your apron. Sit down. I've got something I want to say. I want to share with you the things of God. That's the one thing, is it not, that is necessary in this situation. Martha, I want to spend some time with you. Do you want to spend some time with me? And I don't know about you, but as I prepared for this, I got a kind of startling realization there when I saw that, that we can do all the work that we want for Jesus. We can serve him in so many ways. And I'm sure, right, that he wants us to do those things. He asks us, does he not command us to serve? He commands us to be hospitable. He commands us to look after the church, to look after the family of church. He commands us to lead services, to prepare messages, to cut grass, to go out with the gospel. How is it then one thing is necessary more than serving? I'm sure he does want us to do all of those things, but what he really wants is us. That's the good portion. That's the good participation. 
It's us with him. What Jesus really wants from you is you. He wants your time with him. He wants your devotion. Martha, she's just going mad. <laughs> she's just going mad. She's wanting to get this serving done well and to feed everyone. She's anxious. She's troubled. She's angry. She's distracted by serving, by much serving. Isn't that interesting? Her desire is to serve the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And in doing so, she's distracted by the serving. Does that resonate with you? Anyone ever been involved in preparing things for weddings? Man, it's very easy to get distracted with the serving and the preparation and everything going just right. This is just a dinner. And you might say to me this morning, Sam, what's wrong with serving? Surely serving's right, it's good. There's nothing wrong with serving. We all need to be like a Martha. We all need to serve. We all need to serve. Hospitality is a command. Serving in the church is a requirement. Giving of oneself for the sake of another, serving is a command. It's a good thing. And let's be honest, serving can be an expression of our faith, can't it? What does James say? James talks about faith without deeds being dead. Faith without serving being dead. It's not this kind of serving. James has another kind of serving in mind. And James says, I'll show you my faith by my serving. So it's clearly not that Martha shouldn't serve. But I want us to know this morning. Serving is not good if it's a substitute for faith. If our expression of our faith is simply serving, then we will be distracted. If we want people to know that we're a Christian because we do this, that and the other, good things, but not because of our real faith, then we've got it wrong. Serving is no good if it's done in the absence of sitting at the feet of Christ and listening. We must serve him, though, in a place of devotion, not in a place of obligation. We must serve him because we adore him, because we love him, because we want to be with him. Don't you want to be with the person you love? It's personal. It's relational. Friday nights in our household, for Sandy and I, is date night. I don't know if you have a date night where you specifically allocate a day or an evening or a time when you're going to spend together. And for us, it's Friday nights. And in the morning, we usually wake up and we do our Bible reading and our prayers. And one of us will inevitably remind the other it's date night tonight. And one of the things that Sandy likes to do more than anything else, and she'll be embarrassed to me talking about her, is to go to the dam and have a cup of tea. That's her idea of a good date night. And for me, that's great, because let's be honest, it's a lot cheaper than a lot of other types of date night that you get. 
but it's lovely. And we go out to the dam, we sit there in the chairs and we look at God's creation and we talk about the week and what the Lord's doing in our lives and the anxieties that we have in life. And we might pray, we might read, we share time with each other. And often Sandy will say, thanks for doing this. Thanks for taking the time, the trouble, just to be with me. Now, I can respond to that in two ways. One is I could simply say, you know what? It's my job description. Husband. It's my obligation to be here and to do this for you. That wouldn't sound terribly loving. But if I said, I desire to do this because I love you. I want to be with you because I have a devotion towards you. I have, to a degree, an adoration of you. It's a whole different experience. It's a whole different reality. It becomes personal. It becomes relational. And for Martha, she simply has the wrong priority. That's all it is. Serving over sitting. Lord, do you not care that my, my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Mary, well, she's just sitting. We don't hear anything from her, do we? Mary seldom speaks in any of these passages, just once, I think, in John. She's just sitting and she's listening. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. Her priority is totally different to Martha's. Mary adores Christ. And if I may say it this way, she's distracted from everything else by Christ. The world isn't distracting her. The serving even isn't distracting her. You know, she should actually be helping, right? But Christ is there. Christ is there. And she is rightly distracted by him, to him, not from him. You might say, well, Sam, that's not easy to do in our situation. Jesus isn't here in the flesh. He's here in the, in the spirit. He's here by his word. And it's true, isn't it? It's easier to do things. It's easier to serve than it is to sit in silence and wait on the Lord and listen to his word. It's much easier. At least I find it easier to do things than to sit and listen. Why is that? Well, duty can be a distraction, but frankly, it's easier to do stuff. We like to get busy doing things. There's nothing wrong with that. I need to do this. I need to do that. Often we should be saying, I want to do this. I want to do that. Because it's clearly not the necessary thing. It's clearly not the good portion. It's harder, isn't it, to be devoted? Yes, the Lord is concerned about our service. He is. He's concerned about our conduct. He's concerned about our holiness. But he's also concerned first with our devotion to him. With our faith in him. He's concerned with me and my time with him. He's interested in my sanctification, my growing in holiness. And let me be honest with you. You cannot do that by serving you cannot become holy by just doing Christianity. You can only move towards 
sanctification by drawing near to Christ. Years and years ago in our church back in Edinburgh, um, the pastor, the assistant pastor, Dave Anderson, asked me if I'd help him take part in starting Christianity Explored. And the Christianity Explored there is around uh, 60 to 80 people a night. It's a big event. It's a big city church. And it takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of serving. It takes a lot of organizing. And I was really excited to be asked to take part and to help David to do that. And it was a big deal. We finally got everything going and the night came and we all got together as a team there's about 20 of us and uh, some were ready to serve the food did the whole thing uh, they were cooking the food and some were ready to serve that some were ready to serve at tables um, and some were ready to lead tables and David at that last minute before everyone arrived he said now you're going to lead table one and you're going to lead table two, table three, table four. You're going to serve the food, table five, table six. And I kept thinking, what am I going to do? <laughs> what is it that he wants me to do? Which table am I going to be at? You know, I thought I was going to be a leader. And he went through everyone except for me. And there was just one job left. And I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and he said, no, yes, Sam, what I want you to do is to sit in the corner of the room on that seat and get at the feet of Jesus and pray for all these people. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit kind of offended. What, you don't want me to lead at the table? <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I sat there for six nights, two hours, praying for the people that came into that room to know Christ, sitting at the feet of Jesus and talking to him. Verses came to me. It was a great experience. Notice that Jesus in the gospel spends a lot of time with his father. He goes off to quiet places by himself to pray. Luke tells us in Luke 5 that he would often withdraw to desolate places to pray, to commune with his father. Why? Well, because he was devoted to his father. That's what he was doing here. His work of service was because he was devoted to his father. And so, if you will, he sat at his father's feet and listened and talked. It's all about his father. Luke 6 tells us that Jesus went out alone to the mountain to pray, to sit at the feet of his father, to commune. You know what it says then? It says, and all night he continued in prayer to God. That's devotion. And we can often think of one other place that Jesus went on his own to pray. He set himself apart from the disciples. And that would be Gethsemane, wouldn't it? He was devoted to his father. He communed with him continually. I and the father are one. I'm not here to do my will, he said. I'm here to do the father's will. And so he communed with him. He was devoted Listen, if sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening is necessary, the necessary thing, if sitting at the feet of Jesus is the better portion, if it is the thing that should be our priority in life, then we need to ask the question, what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen?
What does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen? What does it mean to be distracted by him, to adore him? And I want to say that there are two ways, two fundamental ways that we can do this. And the first is communal sitting, congregational sitting, together sitting and listening. If I may be bold for a second, you're doing that right now. You're not sitting at my feet. <laughs> You're sitting at the feet of Jesus because he's speaking. His word has been spoken all through this service. I think seven or eight different references. We're not shy of the word of God in this place, are we? Amen. But you're doing it now because you're at church, whether online or here in person. We are together. There's a communal listening to God. There's a communal sitting under him at his feet. Going to a Bible study. That's also sitting at his feet and listening to him. Going to the prayer night, Wednesday, 7 p.m., just in case you weren't aware of it is sitting under Jesus. It's sitting at his feet. It's talking to him. It's as Dave leads us, he's leading us with scripture, with his word. We're listening. And so we're responding. We're engaging directly with him. And if you're in a discipleship relationship, if the word of God is the thing that's active in that, then guess what? Communally, even if there's only two of you, you're sitting at the feet of Jesus and Jesus is teaching you. That's the first way, communal listening and sitting. But the other way, as you can probably guess, is individual sitting and listening to Jesus. The alone kind of sitting. Of course, you're not alone. You're with the Lord Jesus, but it's just you. You can sit here and listen to this message, and frankly, you can wander off. You can daydream, you can look out the window, you can yawn, you can fall asleep even, although please don't do that. But when you're on your own with the Lord, you can't do any of those things. And you might not off if you're extremely tired, but why would you not be distracted? Maybe things will come in and distract you, but ultimately it's just you and him. Is he distracted? Is he yawning? Is he looking out the window? No. It's much harder though, isn't it? In the communal form of sitting under his feet and listening. It's much harder, the individual and the alone kind. There are too many distractions. What's your private prayer time like? Do you pray on your own? Do you just come to church? Is church the only place you pray? pray? I hope not. Do you confess your sins to Christ? You're too busy serving, you're not going to do that. If you're distracted by the serving part of Christian life, then you're not going to confess your sins. And you should. We must. What's your private Bible study time like? Are you just reading it or are you meditating on it? You know, recently, I was caused to slow down reading the Bible because I just was reading it. Oh, I know this. Yes. Oh, I remember this part. Oh, yes, that's right. And I was caused to slow down and stop and just take small chunks and say, what does that really mean? What am I going to take from that? What truth is going to infect and affect my life today as I go about my job or my study? 
or even my retirement. The individual alone kind of sitting under the feet of Jesus is probably the most important in a way. Because there you have to be who you really are. How will you hear his voice if you don't read it? How will you listen to Jesus if you don't read the word of God? The word is lots and lots and lots and lots of things to say about listening to God. In one sense, it's a big book all about that. It's a big book about God speaking from the beginning to the end. There's a couple of verses for us. and we've got time to do them all. Proverbs 2 verse 1. The Lord says, my son, if you receive my words, if you listen to my words, that's what it means, and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, you call out for me to speak and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand and fear the Lord. And I read that. Do you know what I, I heard? Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, not Martha. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. We can't be taught if we're not listening. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. As Romans say, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is it saying? Listen to Jesus. That's what it's saying. What are we listening to in this world? YouTube? Looking at a little screen or a big screen and YouTube, movies, audiobooks. Some of those things might be good. Some of them might be profitable, but none of them are listening to Jesus. None of them. How about this one? Psalm 46. Be still. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. Be still, Sam. Slow down. Stop running around. You might be serving, but only one thing is necessary. Are you sitting at my feet? Are you listening to my voice? You know, this world today, there's not enough stillness, is it? It's just crazy, the world. Crazy, fast food, speed dating. What a ridiculous concept. We're running around like headless chickens, whether we're serving the Lord or not. It's a frenetic life that we lead. Be still. Slow down. Stop. Listen. Let me ask you a quick question. How much time 
do you have for Jesus? How much time do you allocate or make for him? And weeks ago, I remember talking about how people say, I want a little bit of me time. <laughs> if you've got any me time spare, then I recommend you sit at the feet of Jesus and give it to him. Because one thing is necessary. It's a better portion. How much time do you have for Jesus? Let's flip the question. How much time does the Lord of the universe have for you? I mean, when do you come to Jesus Christ and he says, listen, I'm the Lord of the universe. I'm the omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful one. And I'm trying to hold, not trying, I am holding the universe together, interestingly, by the word of my power. I'm a bit busy, Sam. Would you mind coming back next week? The Lord of the universe never says that. Yes, he's the mediator. He's listening. He's speaking to the Father on our behalf. How much time do we make for him? If you love him, you'll make time. I don't care how busy your life is. I really don't. You will make time for him if you love him. It might mean you have to cut something else out. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to add an hour onto your day and go to bed a bit later. That wouldn't be smart, in my opinion. Although I've done that. It means you have to take something out of your life to put him in. Maybe it's serving. It's a hard thing to say, but maybe it is. If you're devoted to him, you'll want to be with him. And I will say, it takes discipline. The Bible's very clear about that. It's one of the things Jesus will teach you. It takes discipline. It takes effort. It's a struggle. It's easier to go and serve. The Bible's full of warnings. I thought I'd bring one to us today in the context of serving. The Lord gives us this wonderful story in Matthew. Just a little one. He talks about people that are serving him. That are crying out, Lord, Lord. We prophesied in your name. <laughs> we cast out demons in your name. It's different kind of serving to the way we're serving. We cast out demons in your name. You know what? We've even done mighty works in your name. We're serving you. And the Lord says, but I declare to them, I never knew you. Who are you serving in my name? Who are you? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What is this scripture teaching us? It's teaching us you can serve at any level, in any part of church, in any part of Christian life, and not know Christ. The problem with these people is they weren't sitting at his feet. They weren't listening to him. They were just getting on with the doing, and they were doing great things. He was doing great things through them. That's why one thing is necessary. That's why Martha's got it wrong. That's why better portions are about sitting with Christ and dwelling with him and spending time with him. So my question to us as we draw to a close today, it's been a really long service. I just pray and hope that you've been listening to everything that's been given to us today. Are you participating in the one thing that's necessary? Or are you just coming to church? Because that's easy. 
Oh, it can be hard, I know. But you don't have to necessarily do anything. You can just sit there and receive. Or you can just stand here and give messages or lead communion or lead the service. Are you participating in the one thing that's necessary? Sitting at his feet and listening to him. Of course, if you don't know Christ, you can't participate. You can only just come to church. Perhaps you think you are a Christian and maybe you are, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're like these people. Maybe you're even serving in the church, but you don't actually know Christ. You can't sit at his feet. Well, I want to say this to you. We've heard it before. We heard it at communion. Christ died for your sins. He died for you. For your, don't you want to sit at his feet? Thanks very much for salvation. I'm going to get on and just run my life the way I want. Just so I might do some serving even. No, 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 no. You sit at his feet. Listen to his voice. Listen to his word. Christ died for the unrighteous that he might bring them to heaven, fulfilled the law by dying on a cross for your sin in your place. And he was raised from the dead so that we do have that hope. You'll never be a Mary if you don't know Christ. You'll never, ever be a Mary. People that don't know Christ don't spend hours meditating on the word and sitting at his feet. They don't. I went to a university where everyone thought they were a Christian. None of the lecturers really knew Christ, and yet they could teach the word, but they never sat at Jesus's feet. There's no devotion. There's no reality in their lives. So what are you? Are you a Mary? Are you a Martha? Hopefully you're a bit of both, but one thing's necessary. Be a, be a Mary. Let's just jump back as we close to Luke 10, verse 41 again, for the Lord gives her this rebuke. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary's chosen it. She's chosen the good participation, the good portion, listen, which will not be taken away from her. That's interesting. What a strange thing to put at the end of this little message. It will not be taken away from her, Martha. Well, what won't be taken away? The relationship, <laughs> the adoration, the personal encounter with Christ. That'll never be taken away. Why not? Because you're saved. You're saved for Christ. You're saved to be with Christ. You're saved to sit at his knee, at his feet, on your knees, to proclaim who he is, Lord, Lord, because you know him, not because you've served. You might serve because you know him. I know that. But that isn't the thing that makes you a Christian. The good portion will not be taken away from Mary. The good portion is participating in real life with Jesus Christ. It's never going to get taken away. Please don't be a Martha. Please don't just do good things, but sit at Christ's feet. I have no idea what was going through Mary's mind. We don't learn that from this scripture. But what I do know is that she chose him over serving. She adored Jesus 
you know, in John's, a passage in John 11 about Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus has died and Jesus is coming back deliberately stalling so that he can perform this amazing miracle that brings great glory to God. And Martha and Mary engage with Jesus, but in two totally different ways, just like this text. When Martha, who's the one who called Jesus to come home, hears that Jesus is almost in Bethany, you know what she does? She goes out to meet him. She runs out there to meet him. She's a doer. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Let's get out there. Lord, Lord, she says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Where's Mary? She's back at the house. She's weeping. She's wailing. Her brother's just died. And you might say to me, well, surely if Mary wanted to sit at Jesus's feet, wouldn't she be the one running out? Well, listen to what the text says. When Martha had said this, and what Martha says is that she makes a statement of faith that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she basically says, yes, I do. And then it says, but when she'd said this, she went and, listen, called her sister, saying in private, the teacher is here. And guess what? He's calling for you, Mary. And it says this, and when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. I love that Martha goes and calls her sister, don't you? Why is it? That's because she knows how much Mary adores Christ. And if Christ were to come in here, I would want to call you. I'd hope that you'd want to call me. She rose quickly and went to him because what she had would not be taken away. You know, you can have everything in this life, everything, but you have nothing if you don't have Christ. Everything will come to, everything will come to an end. We're dust. This is dust. This is carbon. It will come to an end. If you don't have Christ, you have nothing. But if you have Christ, you've got everything. You've got everything. All you have in reality is Christ. All you have is him, if you have him at all. If you do, then Jesus is your life. I'm going to pray. And as I pray today, I want us to be still. I'll read some scripture. Please listen. Sit at the feet of Jesus. Just soak it in. There's no need for us to rush. It's been a long service, but... We're nearly there. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, please help us to draw near now to your son. Please help us to sit at his feet. To listen. Your word says, be still. Be still. Know that I'm God. Father, we want to be still. We want to slow down. Perhaps we've served too much, Lord. Perhaps we've been distracted too much by this world or even serving you. We ask now, Lord, that you make us still. 
You make us sit at the feet of the Lord of the universe. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know you are the Holy One of God. Father, I pray that you would help us to see that. You would help us to hear that truth. Your Son is the Holy One of you, very God, truly God. Pray, Lord, that this week, as we go about our business, we remember this word and we will desire to come to you and to sit and to hear and to speak to you and hear your voice and your word speaking back to us. Because your word says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Father, help us to be Mary's. Help us to be quiet, still sitters and listeners because we know you want us, not our good deeds. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.